Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. A reminder to any Survivor fans, we have the Survivor 45 recap podcast every Thursday night. And also, for Big Brother fans, the Big Brother 25 recap podcast on Friday nights. Of course, wow. Saturday nights will be Sports Whispers Weekly as well. And uh, if you guys haven't done so yet, you can su- you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or find us on any of the major podcasting networks. By the way, a, a quick apology, Lou. I don't know if Alex told you. Um, I apologize for not uh, making it to your show today. Uh, stuck in wall-to-wall traffic for basically two hours. And, yeah, needless to say, whenever whenever uh, our local fair that we have uh, takes place around here, uh-huh. traffic is literally backed up for miles. And I didn't have my phone with me. So, yeah. Uh, needless to say... Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make uh, this week's show, but I will be back. Ne- I will be uh, calling in next week, though. Um, okay. I'm just glad you're here for this show. Thank goodness. Yeah, I know. Luckily, eventually, uh, there was a lane that ended up opening. So, uh, luckily, I was able to make I- it home uh, well uh, with, with, with about like two two hours or so left to go. Um, until showtime, but uh, there's right. a lot we have to cover tonight. We have, of yeah. course, the whole Damian Lillard, uh, big, huge blockbuster to discuss. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, We will be doing our Whispers Wishes uh, as well. We have the Raiders uh, drama, uh, which Ooh. may have finally come to an end, it seems, uh, involving Chandler Jones. Uh, we oh, have yeah. we'll, we'll also, and we will also take a look at the uh, Major League Baseball playoff picture as well, uh, as well as maybe some other some other little tidbits from around the NFL. Uh, one in particular yeah. uh, involving Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Now all of a sudden, that has become the huge talk of the NFL. Are you gonna see another military Underwood type like that thing? Mm. It makes you wonder because yeah, with you know literally uh, just because Taylor Swift is now uh, dating Travis Kelsey, apparently that was the biggest thing to talk about this uh, for any NFL football game. Uh, you know, it didn't. It didn't matter what teams were playing. The only thing that mattered was, oh, uh, what's it called? Taylor Swift is at the Kansas City Chiefs game. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's like okay, whatever. She's she's dating Ooh. Travis Kelsey. Good good for her. You know, but uh, apparently 
Wow. They're the they're the newest hot couple that has taken over the NFL all of a sudden. And now uh, Taylor apparently has traveled all the way to MetLife uh, yep. with her with her new boyfriend to see him play against the Jets this week. Sending a teardrop on the guitar. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's I, I I don't know about you, Lou, but I really don't understand the whole craze about about this. I mean, you don't see, you don't see them making such a, you you, know, you didn't see them make such a big deal when Giselle Bunchen was dating Brady. Like they yeah. didn't show, they didn't show Giselle, show Giselle Bunchen a hundred times uh, no. on camera when, whenever well, she, uh, whenever she went to a, uh, to a Brady game. Well, I always think that uh, Taylor's was a more larger following than say Giselle. Uh, you know, and she gets a lot of attention, you know, and her dating an NFL player, probably any athlete, makes it even more. So, uh, you know, depending on, you know, how much of a following you see, because Giselle really doesn't much of a following. True. I mean, gra- yeah, granted, obviously, there's a huge, uh, th- there's a huge differential when it comes to a fan base. But, I mean, Giselle was a very popular model at the time of, uh, at, at the time that that she had gotten together with Brady, but you know it's uh, it, it's literally it's literally crazy when you take a look at the amount of coverage that this relationship Ooh, has yeah. gotten, and it's only been, and it's only been about a week. Only a week. Uh, you know, the one thing I'm wondering is. Could this potentially become a distraction for for Travis uh, yeah. Because we, uh, you know, yeah. we've seen what ha- we've seen what happens. Like uh, I, I know this is a completely different subject here, but uh, Jackson Mahomes and uh, Mahomes' wife uh, Brittany. You know, you remember with them getting in the spotlight how that somewhat created a bit of a distraction for Pat. Yeah. Now granted of course of course Taylor Swift is completely different. You know, Taylor Swift has her own has her own shit that, that she has to take care of, you know, with her being a uh, a world famous uh musician. Uh right. but do you do you think do you think that there's a potential element of distraction for oh, for Kelsey here? Oh, there very well could be. I mean, it happens to a lot of athletes. You know, they get so involved wrapping them in something like that, and, you know, they forget to keep their mind on the game. It happened to Tony. It can happen here. So, was it probably easy to come to distraction? Absolutely not. Yeah, I wouldn't be, to be to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it becomes let's a distraction. Let's see how they shake it off. Oh, oh, dear. Okay. We had that part, please. Oof. You know, I will. I will say though that it, it almost seemed like she's never been to a football game ever before. With the way that she was, uh, the way she was celebrating, uh, even right. the littlest of things in the press spot or in the uh, in the suite of Travis Kelsey, uh, literally the littlest yeah. of things. 
she was celebrating. It, it's almost as if uh, last week was her first ever football game that she's ever been to. It might have been. But uh, we do have, of course, a couple of NFL uh, tidbits here. And actually, in particular, one involving Colin Kaepernick. Apparently, he wrote a letter to the Jets last week to join their practice squad uh, following the injury, of course, the season-ending injury to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Kaepernick had said that he would be honored and extremely grateful for the opportunity to lead the team's practice squad. And what's interesting is the letter wasn't even released by him. It was released by rapper Jay Cole. Uh-huh. And uh, Kaepernick even referenced uh, the Harbaugh brothers, Chip Kelly, and Mark Davis as references to use uh, for the Jets in his message to them. Uh, But here's the problem. He's 35 years old. He last played in the league seven years ago. That's the problem. I mean, mean, Cap, at this point, you got to look, you you just got to face facts. You've been blackballed from the league for years due to your social justice activities. You're not coming back. No. No No matter how much you want to, you're not coming back. My thing is, why now? Well, I think, I think in all honesty, why now? It's because of the fact that, you know, usually when, when a team needs a quarterback, you know, they already have a backup ready. But with such a high-profile uh, high guy like Aaron Rodgers goes down, and the Jets don't really have anybody anybody better to use, you know. With Zach, I mean, let's let's face it. In all honesty, I think Colin Kaepernick would actually be, even though he's been out of the league for seven years, would actually be a better option for the Jets than Zach Wilson. How about Mike Boyle? Matter of fact, put Colin Kaepernick in that game last week against the Patriots, and I bet you he leads the Jets to victory. Maybe you're right. Because I'll t- I'll tell you right now, you know, being a Patriots fan, watching that game, I was just I was just thinking to myself, when when is, you know, you know when 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 are the Patriots going to just get, going to give up this game? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so sad when. When a when when a fan of a team can see something coming a mile away, I was just I was waiting to see how the Patriots would give up this game, and ultimately somehow they didn't. But I was not expecting. Uh, I, I what, what was the score? Fifteen to ten, or something 10, like yeah. that. Yeah, I was not expecting a safety to be the final score of a game. No. And not to mention, the Patriots were only playing with three with three healthy cornerbacks. One of them being the or the the main cornerback last week was 
the rookie the, the rookie Christian Gonzalez from Oregon that they took in the first round with I think it was like the 14th overall pick. And in all honesty, if it wasn't for for that random Pharaoh Brown catch and run for a touchdown, the Patriots probably would have lost 10 to 8. Yeah. So, I, you know, if I was the Jets, I mean, what do you have – at this point, you're one and two. You know, you're probably trending towards another losing season considering you don't have a quarterback. What, what do you have to lose? Nothing. What do you have to lose not by, by bringing in Colin Kaepernick? Well, I don't know if anybody would really take him in. Because if he does come in, you know, it's just going to cause more controversy. And I don't think the Jets need that. You know, he's got to start up with he's got to start with his pro- uh, protesting again if something goes wrong. And I'll start, you know, with the uh, with uh, screw this and everything. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's just you know, that kind of aggravation. Yeah, I mean that is a, that is a fair point. You know, with the, with the way that the uh, that the social climate is right now in today's yeah. world. Uh, obviously, the last thing that people would want would be to have somebody like Kaepernick back in there with, with his social justice movements and everything. Um, So I guess I could understand that, but still, I mean, come on. It's, you know, if you're the Jets, you got to do better than Zach Wilson. Hell, if I was the Jets, I would put Tim Boyle in there for a start. Yeah. Put Tim Boyle in there and see what, see what he can do. Exactly. I would take him him over Wilson any day. Yeah, but we uh, we go from one NFL team uh, in the AL East to, or I mean, in the AFC East to now another, as the Miami Dolphins were on the cusp of history. Yes, to break the record of seventy-two points in a game, and with time winding down, instead of kicking the field goal. They chose to just kneel it and win seventy to twenty. Now, yeah, um, head coach Mike McDaniel basically said that he wanted to be respectful and decided not to go for the record. I want to get your thoughts first on this, Lou, because I mean, this uh, an opportunity like this doesn't come all too often. No. And yeah, I mean to be honest, I'm I'm not that sure that this team could ever hit. I, I mean, maybe if the if the matchup was right, they could potentially hit seventy again. But I think it's going to be a long time before we see that. any team. Right, well, what are your what What are your thoughts, Lou? I mean, you know, it's very rare to even have that kind of score up in a game. I thought it was a college game, to be honest with you, when that happened. I mean, 70 points, I mean, talk about no defense. But um, I don't see why, like, out of respect, we're not going to try and break the record. Respect for what? I don't get that. You know, you had a chance to make history, and, and you decided to kneel the last play. Uh, where's the logic in that? 
Right. It, know, I mean, it, since when? Since when has there been? I, I mean, I understand. You know, okay, you don't want to kick a team when they're down, but you know, this is a team. Yeah. The the Denver Broncos that were about to be zero and three, and I mean, let's face it. Come on, they're they're not really in in any sort of contention, you know, at all this season. But I, I guess it was more of a they uh, they believe that football karma is actually a thing. Oh, so. Man. So, you know, because of football karma, they didn't want to risk potentially, uh, you know, potentially yeah, angering the, the football gods, so to speak. Right, the old karma. Because, I mean, look at it this way. Uh, many people would say that the football gods made it so that the Patriots lost the Super Bowl against the Giants to end their perfect yeah. season. And... I think maybe perhaps Mike McDaniel is looking at it like this. Okay, uh, you know, obviously if we go for the if we get the field goal, yeah, we would have the record. But could that potentially mean that later on down the line our Super Bowl hopes get screwed in some way? Yeah. They probably would. Like, you know, it's sort of a karmic retribution, so to speak. Right. But looking at this game, though, Tua Tungavailoa threw for four touchdowns, 309 yards. Uh, Mike White came in to replace him, and on just two passes, he threw for 67 yards, and one of them being a touchdown pass. Uh, Their rookie running back, Devon Achain, from... I believe he went to Texas A&M. He was selected in the third round this year. Uh, Last year he was a a member of the first team All-SEC. He went for 203 yards, including two touchdown rushes on 18 carries. Uh, Raheem Mostert looked like the Raheem Mostert of old back when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, 13 yes. carries, 82 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Not to mention, he also had seven catches for 60 yards and a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, not to mention some of the other stat, uh, some of the other stat lines: Tyree Hill, nine catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown. Robbie, Robbie Chosen. Uh, people further, per, people may uh, previously know him as Robbie Anderson had one yes. catch for 68 yards, which was the throw that Mike White threw to him for a touchdown. And Devon, uh, Devon A-Chain had four catches for 30 yards and two touchdown catches as well. So A-Chain, a hell of a day with four total touchdowns as a rookie. I mean, uh, this may be one of the biggest beatings in – professional football that I think I've seen in, in quite some time. Yes. More than I, what what were your seen, thoughts on I was never saying it like this. Yeah, well, I mean, I've what seen were your thoughts like, on this, you know, on this 40, game as like, it was I happening? Mean, 45 to 10 or whatever, or 55, uh, 55 to 20, but never something like this. This is over before you even began. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you could you could argue it was over at the half. 
Many people thought so. It it was basically it, over at the half. You know, there there wasn't really yeah. um, much more that Denver could have done. I, and I mean, it's not like Denver played poorly. I mean, their defense obviously no. played poorly, but. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, he had 306 yards. He threw a touchdown. He also threw a pick as well. Uh, Cortland Sutton had 91 yards, including a touchdown. Uh, Jerry Judy had 81 yards. Marvin Mims Jr. had 73 yards. So it's not like the offense wasn't there. It was just the defense failed to show up. Yeah. And there was no defense. You know, it's funny when you think about it, Lou, because this is a team that prides itself on being a defensive juggernaut. Yeah. So, regardless, though, uh, obviously they they would have potentially broken a longstanding record that was oh going on for I don't know I don't know how many years. Uh, that, yeah. that it had uh, it had gone on for, uh, but still, you know maybe maybe it was it was the right thing to do, in you know in the uh, in the short in, in, or for the long term I should put it that way. Uh, let's bring in Alex. Alex, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins uh, just missing being a part of history by electing to kneel the ball instead of going for the field goal, which would have broken the record for points in a single game. Uh, What are your thoughts on Miami seemingly taking the side of uh, football karma? What's up? How's it going, guys? Yeah, that was – there's two sides to that that are both unbelievable that I would have expected for them to run it up. One is Sean Payton is public enemy number one. He's – pretty rude and pretty condescending and talks badly about a lot of other coaches. So people typically like to plug him in the mouth when they can. And then um, McDaniel likes to score a lot of points and he's pretty cocky. So if there's one team that was going to really blow the doors off, I figured it would be Miami. So I was really surprised they, they called off the, the, the hounds. <laughs> I mean, they had him just totally destroyed. I was shocked that they, they, they stopped scoring, but McDaniel showed some class there, but uh, yeah, the, it, it says two things too that the, not only the Dolphins really awesome and probably the most explosive offense, the fastest, fastest skill players, but uh, also on the flip side, Denver just looks terrible. And Sean Payton talked all that crap about how bad the old coach was, and he looks even worse. So I hope you enjoy. Right. It. And Karma. you know what? Uh, I I agree. I agree when it comes to the uh, when the when it comes to the Dolphins being potentially the most explosive offense. I mean, their third-round rookie running back, uh, Dave uh, De- Devin uh, A. Chain, had <laughs> four had four total touchdowns, including running for two hundred plus yeah. yards. I'm glad I, I'm I glad mean, I cut him from my fantasy team. <laughs> just on a side note, yeah, he, he looks absurd. He's just smaller and fast, just like Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and and two is like perfect. I don't even I never knew how good he was when he's healthy, man. He works well with these that, these really quick receivers, man. It's it's lethal. And I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but like at the end of the day, you gotta show respect to really smart people. I mean, McDaniel seems like a a hell of an offensive guy, a hell of a coach, as far as just putting together some of these plays. And that's a dynamic offense. 
Yeah, I, you know, I got to say, though, I do think maybe they may have made the right decision on not going for it because uh, when you think about it, uh, flashback to the Patriots when they were going for a perfect season and they end up losing That's against right. the Giants. You know, a lot of people may have considered that football karma and the football gods working against the Patriots by yeah. by having them lose uh, when they were going for uh, – when they were trying to uh, to match uh, Don Shula. Yeah. That's right. That's a good call. Good, uh, good comparison. Flash in the past. Yeah, so I'm on. wondering – yeah, I'm. You know, I'm wondering if maybe perhaps that is what uh, kind of kind of what McDaniel is thinking when it comes to you know you don't want to upset the football gods. Uh, you know, running the running up the score would essentially be bad karma, yeah, so to speak. Sure. I mean, they were running up the score already to begin with, but running up you know running up the score to essentially you know, kick a field goal basically to end the game, which would have given you the record. Yeah, but at the same time, at what cost? I, it's crazy, right. though, because when you think of the combination, just that's one team that can score 70 at this point. Whatever, all the rah-rah about the Chiefs, I'm still angry at them, but whatever. I know they're awesome. But they haven't gotten – I mean, Miami looked like they could have scored 200. The, way, the rate they were going – and, you know, it's like they want to prove how good they are. And then that's the one coach I figured someone would, would really take joy and really smile when, when it comes to someone getting really beat down. Like Sean Payton, as a coach, he deserves that beat down. So I, I figured they would keep going, you know. It's like if if one team deserved to really get crushed, it would be Sean Payton because of all the comments he's made. You know, I, I figured they, they would have scored 80. <laughs> they could have, but they, they called up the dogs at the end. Yeah, it was pretty surprising, honestly. When, uh, especially when you, you know, when you look at uh, when you look at exactly uh, the different analytics, so to speak, uh, at play. Sure. But you know, like like I said, maybe maybe ultimately it was for the good. The fact that Miami didn't go through with it because. You know, maybe they get repaid by I don't know, maybe uh, taking a trip to to the Super Bowl because let's face it, Miami yeah. right now they look like the team to beat in the AFC. I mean, Even I know Kansas Buffalo? City. Oh, yeah. I I know I I know Kansas City is the defending Super Bowl champions and Buffalo is Buffalo, but. Miami, my God! I mean, I'll just put it—I'll just put it out, uh, put it out right now. You know, one of our—we obviously do our whispers wishes every week. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking Miami this week over Buffalo okay. because I don't think <laughs> I've seen this high-powered of an offense in quite some time from a team that isn't the Patriots. Yeah. Now, also, well, let's see right away. It's a quick turnaround, so it's going to be a total night and day difference between defenses on the road uh, in Buffalo, which is, a, you know, obviously a really good defensive unit. So let's see if they can score 40 or something tomorrow. Or, you know what I mean? It's going to be a quick turnaround for them. I don't know if they can drop uh, 40 or 50 
and keep pace. They're never going to score 70 again, I don't think, this year. I mean, Buffalo, no, they won't. Buffalo's going to play. I think, I think it'll be a good game tomorrow with them. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me that Miami won. I mean, they're, they're flying high right now. And another thing to keep in mind, too, is Buffalo, they still don't have Von Miller. Uh, he's expected to start practicing week five next week. Uh, but Buffalo also will be without Jordan Poyer, who's out with a knee issue. And for the most part, with the exception of Jalen Phillips, Miami is basically healthy. Unless we forget uh, it will be a little uh, big payback, famous Brown style. I mean, Miami, they lost on the road at Buffalo last year in the playoffs when they had their backup quarterback playing. They still played them tough. So Miami's got payback on the line, too, for last, for last year. They got payback. <laughs> Imagine and from what it sounds like, from what it sounds like, let's keep in mind, last week they did that whole bludgeoning without Jalen Waddle. That's absurd. That's absurd. That's and from what it sounds uh, like, it sounds like it sounds like Waddle is back this week. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Now, of course, that's a real speed you can do it without. Gotta, uh, that's, that makes it amazing. You have to treat. Of course, you have to treat every week as a new week in the NFL, but still. You know, if you can do that, if you can put up 70 points without Jalen Waddle, you know, it makes it makes me wonder how would they have, you know, would they have actually broken the record if they had Jalen Waddle? You know, would they have not had to make that decision in the fourth quarter whether or not to uh, to go for a field goal or not? Yeah, and all throughout the course so, of the game, they would have had more firepower. Yeah, that's right. remarkable. That's now, we do have some injuries. We do we do have some injuries to report. First off, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is officially out this week for the Raiders with a concussion that he suffered last week. Uh, yep. The L.A. Chargers will be without a wide receiver Mike Williams, who is out with an ACL injury uh, with a torn ACL. So he is sidelined for the remainder of this year after having seven catches for 121 yards and a touchdown before exiting Sunday's game, which, by the way, the Chargers almost pulled or, yeah, the Chargers almost lost that game. It, it You know, yep. here I thought that Minnesota and the Chargers would have a definitive winner, and it, it was almost like both sides were trying to give up that game. Yeah, the Chargers can't I mean, buy a win. Hardly. I mean, they they were doing everything they could to shoot themselves in the foot. Their coach is a big issue. I mean, they just don't know how to finish games. That's been going back a while, too, apparently. I mean, just not apparently. It's factual. You know what I mean with that coach? Oh, he's yeah, throwing a no. lot of several, several late leads. I don't know how he's still uh, gainfully employed. I mean, Justin Herbert, yeah, Keenan no. Allen, they have talent. It's like if they're not winning these close games after a while, it's like, all right, it's got to be got to be some – at least some a big part of the coach has to be coaching. Yeah, Staley Staley is fucking brain dead. He's been fucking brain dead for yeah. the last couple of years. So I mean, you got Herb. Yeah, I mean that. Well, yeah, sick weapons. They just like fail in the clutch. It's got to be coaching after a while. Sure. Yeah, that's a huge portion of their of their struggles, if anything. 
Yep. Elsewhere, elsewhere in elsewhere in the league, uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, will be without Derek Carr as he is week to week with a sprained AC joint, and this is considered to be obviously the best case scenario. After originally he exited last week's contest with what looked like to looked like it was a head injury but later it was a shoulder injury. So now Jameis Winston uh, will be given the shot to have the revenge game that he wants uh, against the Buccaneers after the Buccaneers replaced him with Tom Brady. So that should be pretty interesting. Talks about Carr, man. He gets another shot after Las Vegas didn't work out, and now he's already injured in New Orleans. Can't catch a break. Let's go. Let's go to you, Lou, with this first. Uh, what impact do you think this injury to Derek Carr might have on New Orleans moving forward? Because New Orleans Uh-oh. is probably off to one of the best starts that they've that they've had in recent years since uh, yeah, the Drew Brees era. They all screwed up. Sometimes you think one injury that could you know can really kill your season. And you have something like Derek Carr. That got injured, and when you think the Saints, you know, were trying to come from last year's uh, fallout, now this injury happens, that can send back even further. So you had, yeah. so like you, you had it, and now you're right back going down that toilet. Now the question is though, James, obviously Jameis Winston, you look at his numbers. <laughs> I mean, he's clearly i feel at least he is a, uh an nfl starting quarterback caliber yes. uh, i mean the problem was was that he was on a horrible tampa bay team for 5 years right so yeah. we've seen though uh through four seasons that he's been with new orleans uh he had a 5 and 2 record in seven starts a couple of years ago he had a 1 and 2 record uh, last season. Now, obviously, he's going to get his first uh, his first start of the season this week. Yep. Do you think that Jameis Winston will be enough to hold over the Saints until Derek Carr returns? Uh, that's pushing, I think, a bit. Do you think so? If he plays, if he eliminates the match, I'm or keeps him at bay a little bit. That's that's haunted him through the years. Those silly turnovers. Yeah, um, but if Alave, Alvin Kamara is coming back from suspension tomorrow on his, in his first start. Alave, Michael Thomas, they got a lot of weapons. Um, Rashid Saeed. Yeah, I mean he just sometimes he just shoots himself in the foot with that big arm. So that's why Carr's more of a game manager. He might have done better, but I mean Winston's got the talent. I think the, the issue sometimes is upstairs where he. Makes uh, foolish decisions at times. Steve, you think they can they can win games with Winston, or is it like no no bueno with him? No, they can they can win. I don't think it's going to be you know. I think the longer though that car is out, I think the more that the uh, Saints are going to you know not be where they want to be, not be not be contending. They'll, they'll start to lose. They'll lose more games than they win, depending on how long car is out. Yeah. Right, you know, I'm kind of on the same side as Lou here. I'm. It all depends on how long Carr is out. 
Now, yes. I think Winston, I think Winston, ha- he has the arm. And, you know, some would argue that he has better weapons with New Orleans than he did with Tampa. Uh, they got the Patriots next week, which, in all honesty, I think, you know, we're probably we're probably looking at a at a New Orleans win in New England. Um, All right. You know, I think here's the here's the weird thing is that Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr, for the most part, had very similar stat lines, uh, with the only difference being that Mayfield has more has two more touchdowns uh, than Derek Carr, but pretty much they have the same exact, uh, passing yards and whatnot. Uh, I think Winston will at least keep them in the game. Now, yeah. obviously, uh, a lot of it is going to depend on the health of certain players. Like as far as as far as we know, Derek Carr is questionable, but it looks like it's going to be Winston, and Foster Moreau is also questionable with an ankle issue. Uh, they do have a couple of a couple of people out. Cesar Ruiz has a concussion; he won't play. Paulson Adebo has a hamstring issue; he won't play. And Jordan Howden is out with a finger, so he won't play. Uh, the Buccaneers, yeah. though, they got a couple of, uh, of uh, honestly, the only notable uh, person that's out that I can see is Jamel Dean. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. they, you know, they have four people who are listed as out for this week, uh, with Carlton Davis also being questionable with a toe issue. So I re- yeah. I do think that this game will be close. Um. I don't know exactly if, you know, if either team is really going to separate themselves from each other, so to speak. But I do think Winston will at least keep the Saints in it. Yeah, it'd be a close game. Uh, Yeah, I would be... In in all honesty, I, I would be surprised if uh, you know, if ultimately they, if if ultimately Jameis Winston does worse uh, than I think he'll do. Interesting matchup too. I've really, but, I know the Eagles took care of him, but the Bucks have been pretty solid this year, so it should be a good test for Winston. Yeah, it definitely should be. And uh, also, we have another injury uh, here, too. Xavier Woods of the Panthers is expected mm. to miss up to four to six weeks with a hamstring issue. Uh, for a Panthers secondary that's already missing J.C. Horn, and now uh, now with Woods being out, that's going to basically thin up their, uh, their secondary even further. And. Wow. I mean, it just get, it it just gets harder for Bryce Young, but you know, obviously, obviously, we'll see. Uh, you know, moving moving forward, hopefully, maybe perhaps uh, Carolina. Well, let's see, who do they face this week? They have the Vikings, which 
Ooh, yeah, you know what? Kirk Cousins yeah. might actually uh, carve up that secondary now <laughs> with no woods there. I mean, that's oh, the Panthers have about two. That's right. Yeah. It's nice to be definitely a rebuilding year, though. They're still get, coming around with the draft picks from the McCaffrey trade. Brand-new franchise quarterback starting right away. It's definitely a rebuild year for them. So the expectations oh, are not going to be yeah. too high. They might win five games. And also, also, I think another thing to keep in mind, too, is the fact that they don't have a bona fide number one receiver anymore with them trading D.J. Yeah. Moore to uh, to Chicago. Right. Poor bastard. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I saw I saw another thing that said, uh, you know, since Elon Musk took over Twitter, uh, every well, sports team has won a game except the Chicago Bears. So and it's funny, but it's true. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So yeah, the Bears. Just uh, Bears. Broncos. Oh, this is Looks like Ole Miss may hold off LSU here. 55-49, five seconds left. Five seconds left. LSU, though, is uh, LSU is in the red zone, though. I got to see Looks this. like they only have – they've only got time for one play left, it appears. Uh, moving over to the – yeah, move, moving over to the NHL, we have – Quite a bit of uh, injury news, in particular, and then, uh, obviously with the with the NHL preseason starting up. And uh, by the way, Connor Bedard is exactly as advertised. Might I add, uh, he has been electric yeah. for the Blackhawks so far this preseason. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning will be without their superstar goaltender and former Vezina Trophy winner, Andre Vasilevsky, for eight to ten weeks after wow. he underwent successful back surgery this past week. And Tampa, or uh, the Lightning, confirmed the news officially with GM Julian Brisebois stating that Vasilevsky is expected to miss the first two months of the regular season. Uh, he hadn't been a regular participant in Lightning Camp in recent days, uh, which head coach John Cooper had told reporters that he was out day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. And this is obviously a huge blow to the Lightning, which in all honesty, you know, with them being in a highly competitive Atlantic division, Vasilevsky has kept them in multiple games uh, over the past, however many years that he's been in the league. I mean, you know, this is a guy that is easily one of the, still one of the best goaltenders in the league today at the age of 29. I mean, you take a look at his, you take a look at his career record at the age of 29. He already has 263 wins. In the league, wow, that's staggering. I mean, this this is this is a guy who's been flat out dominant since and since entering the league, only missing the All Star game once. Uh, even though 
uh, he he's already a two-time Cup champion as well, uh, being the starting uh, the starting goaltender in both the two in both the 2020 and 2021 Stanley Cups uh, Stanley Cup teams. Not to mention winning the Conn Smythe in 2021 as well. Uh, you know, obvi- obviously they obviously they have a backup goaltender uh, a backup goaltender, but this is a huge loss for the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially uh, when you consider too that he's once he comes back from injury, still going. Oh, that's it. Fifty-five, forty-nine, Ole Miss. Uh, wow. You know when when you when you take into account what he you know the the huge comeback that he's going to have to potentially make. I mean, there's a back surgery isn't you know isn't like a minor a minor surgery to come back from. No, especially especially, especially as a goaltender. Athleticism, the agility, and then the, the positioning. I mean, I, I'm not yeah. saying anything we don't know. As a goalie, it's got to be so much more rigorous. And, you know, all that, the quick twitches, the movement. You can't, it's not like you can hide, you know, hide a bat and let him DH for a while. Here in NHL goalie, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big blow for them. He's really got to come back right, so he can't rush, rush the rehab at all. Yeah. It's definitely. I mean, Lou, uh, paint paint the picture for us here. How, you know, how big of a loss is this for Tampa Bay for a team that has been in the thick of things for the yeah. last however many years in the Atlantic Division? At least the last five, and now it's uh, out for at least you know. Uh, like uh, two thirds of the season, that's going to be kind of difficult for them to compete this year. So uh, oh. this is this is a big loss for Revelski, and it's more serious than I thought. I'll tell you one thing: this opens the door for Buffalo. Yes, it does. With them having a with them having a legitimate goaltender in Devin Levi, who, by the way, has been has been stoning the competition in the preseason so far. Uh, Levi looks like he may be the starting goaltender potentially this year for uh, for a young Buffalo team. Buffalo just barely missed the playoffs last year. Yes, and I, I mean I'm talking by one point. If they had one more win, they would have yeah. they would have been in. Wow. So, for a team that just barely missed the playoffs last year. Uh, this is uh, the door has basically been open has basically been uh lunged wide open for them now this is their opportunity to potentially uh to potentially uh put their foot in into the playoff picture mm-hmm. and speaking of uh speaking of playoff teams one team obviously that is undergoing a little bit of a, a little bit of renovations is of course the Boston Bruins due to yeah. losing Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci uh coming off of their record setting season. Uh 
here's the one thing I'm going to say, just based off of what I've seen out of them in the preseason so far. Number one, they should have traded Olmark when they had the chance. Right. Olmark looked horrible last night. Uh-huh. He looked slow. He looked slow. It's, ever since that injury, that those injuries he dealt with uh, in the playoffs last year, he hasn't been the same goaltender. And his reflexes looked very off last night. Um, if they do decide to trade a goaltender at some point, they do have a legitimate backup ready in Brandon Boosie, who in his one game that he that he played uh, this preseason so far was a 3 nothing shutout win, uh, recording 29 saves against the uh, New York Rangers. And he looked very good. So... I think if Boston does decide at any point this season to cut salary and maybe they move on from, say, Olmark or Swayman, Boosie is right there for the taking when it comes to uh, becoming the next backup. Uh, As far as prospects go, believe it or not, youngster Matthew Poitois, at the age of 19, may have a legitimate shot of making the uh, opening day roster especially with them having a competition to see who will take the third and fourth uh, center line. The third, the third and fourth line center positions. The, uh, they have two of them open, and Poitois so far has been one of the more impressive prospects in this year's preseason so far. Um the same thing goes with John Beecher. John Beecher, from what it looks like after spending all of last season with Providence, probably is on the is on track to at least be the fourth line center for the Boston Bruins this year. And another prospect to watch as well is defenseman Mason Lowry, who is coming off of uh, his season with the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, hockey team last year, where I believe they got eliminated in, I think they, they got eliminated in the second round by, uh, by the Quinnipiac uh, Bobcats last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Then he played five games for Providence after signing his entry-level contract. And from what it looks like so far, at the age, at the age of 22, you know, in his entering his first full professional season, he looks like he can hang with the big boys so far through playing two uh, two preseason games. I've been very impressed with what I've seen out of him. Uh, so, needless to say, you know, I think I do think the Bruins are a playoff team potentially this year. Uh, I I wouldn't consider them Stanley Cup contenders, but I do think think they'll be a playoff team. I think they'll probably have one of the wild cards, if anything. Yeah, they've still got the talent for it. Can't keep everyone. Father Time's undefeated, but if they get an injection of good young talent to blend with their still uh, formidable presence, you know, presence of some of the veterans, then – that's still a good, you know, still a viable, still a good roster. They can make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 
I don't know if it would be the same thing since the last year. It's not, like, it's not like they totally it's not like they hit the blow-up button. They didn't reset everything. I mean, they still have some good returning talent. Can't keep them all. The younger guys can step up and fill some gaps. They can still make some noise. Right. Well, you know, one of the things I do think they need to do is they need to make a decision on Jake DeBrusque, whose contract is going to be up at the end of the season. Hopefully, in my opinion, I hope they re-sign him uh, to a new deal because uh, still, yeah, I believe he's either 25 or 26. You know, he's still considered to be uh, one of the younger one of the younger wingers of uh, of the team. Yeah, 26 years old. Uh, who's just coming off of probably his best season in the league last year uh, through six seasons. You know, I think uh, he's definitely somebody they're going to want to hang around. They're going to want to keep around, especially if Marchand eventually does retire. Uh, DeBrusque will be looked at as one of those, uh, one of those next big contributors alongside uh, David Pasternak. So, uh, ultimately, though, you know, I do think that obviously with the Bruins making a whole bunch of decisions this offseason, uh, the Atlantic division now is why, is considered wide open. Yeah, All right. no, I mean, it can be, the... be a blessing for the younger mm-hmm. guys. So, yeah, 19-year-old guys like that, there could be a silver lining in it. Some of the younger guys are going to improve a lot. They could, they could, they could be dangerous. Right. I mean, they could, they could be, you know, there's depending on, depending on how they cut their roster down. Uh, there's quite a few, quite a few young guys in there. Uh, John Beecher, like I said, he's one of the, uh, he's one of the guys I would look at. I think in all honesty, I think he has the fourth line center position locked down at the very least. I mean, there's a possibility he could go for the third line, but I think they might, uh, if they decide to keep Poitois, uh, I think they may have him on the third line. Uh, Georgie Merkulov is also another option after that monster season he had last year for Providence in the AHL. Uh, he's another guy to keep an eye on for the for the Bruins when it comes to young players. Uh, Jacob Lauko looks like he's probably going to make the roster after being a after being back and forth between Boston and Providence last year. One person I'm very disappointed in is Milan Lucic, and the reason why I say this is because he looks slow as hell. It looks like whatever. Yeah. Whatever speed he had when he was younger is now long gone. Like he's maybe the slowest player on the team right now, and it's disappointing considering how much how how big of a of a Lucic fan I am from the past. It's disappointing uh, yeah. to see that. Absolutely, hate to see regret um, like that. Yeah. Now, obviously, of course, you know they still have a they still have a whole bunch more cuts to make, but you know there's yeah I can already tell I can already tell you right now uh, those who have a guaranteed roster spot first on the offense obviously Charlie Coyle Jake DeBrusque Trent Frederick uh, Morgan Geeky who they just uh, signed I believe he'll have a guaranteed spot. 
Uh, Lucic, I hope he's just relegated to the fourth line. I really do. I hope he's not on the third line because if he's on the third line, you're not getting any production with that type of speed. Um, Marchand, of course, he was named the captain. So, of course, he's got a guaranteed spot. Uh, David Pasternak. Pavel Zacha, James Van Riemsdyk on defense, you know, Brandon Carlo, Derek Forbert, although Forbert may be trade bait potentially, yeah. uh, considering their defensive core. Uh, Matt Grizzlick, Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, Kevin Shattenkirk. The one thing I do find uh, I, I do find hopeful, though, when I mentioned Mason Lowry earlier, he was playing – or he has been playing through these two games with the top defensive line. So that shows you, and the same thing with Matthew Poitois. Uh, both of them have played on, on the top defensive and top forward lines uh, in this preseason so far. That tells you that the organization is taking a really deep look and see if they can hang with the big boys. And so far, from what we've seen, they can. So if I were to choose any two rookies uh, to potentially make the opening day roster, you're probably looking at those two. And more so uh, Poitois, because with Poitois, he can't go down to the AHL. So it's either... Either he makes, a, either he stays with the NHL team for ten games, and then they make a decision, or they send him down immediately to the juniors. Which, in that case, he won't be able to be called up to the NHL at any point during the season, due to uh, due to uh, league rules when it comes to the uh, to the junior leagues. Uh, goaltending. Stays the same, obviously. Linus Olmark and Jeremy Swayman, unless there's some sort of trade. And if that's the case, then Brandon Boosie will come up and replace whoever is, uh, which whichever of the two ends up leaving. But needless to say, though, uh, you know, I, I do think it's going to be. It's going to be a rebuild for the Bruins, but I don't think it's going to be as long of a rebuild as people may think. It'll be more of a retooling, if anything. Put it that way. And uh, the last last injury story for the NHL, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, they will be without forward Alex Kalorn, who is expected to miss four to six weeks after suffering a fractured finger in their preseason game against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, They signed him to a four-year, $25 million contract on the opening day of free agency back in July. So this is actually a pretty big deal. A guy who scored a career-high 27 goals and 64 points last season with Tampa Bay, uh, he hasn't missed a single game since the 2019 season. Wow. So now... They're already without Isaac Lundstrom to start the season, and they've yet to sign Trevor Zegris or Jamie Drysdale. Now they'll be without Alex Kalorn for the first month and a half of the season. Yeah. So needless needless to say, Anaheim 
you know, any shot they may have had of potentially being a contender this year is likely right out the window with this Vamoose. Yeah, it's a, ball it's a very right tough position. No doubt about it. That one stings. There. That, that, that really hurts their chances there. Yeah, big time. But now, heading over to the NBA, and boy, oh boy, did yeah. nobody see this coming. Oddsmakers had the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 3,000 to acquire Damian Lillard. And wow. lo and behold, Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck in a three-team deal blockbuster involving the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. The total, the total details here, we have the Milwaukee – well, actually – yeah, hang on a minute. We have, obviously, Damian Lillard heading to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as well, so, so, okay, yeah. The Trailblazers in total, they send Lillard to the Bucks in exchange for Jeru Holiday, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick and two unprotected first uh, pick swaps in 2028 and 2030. I believe they're first-round picks. I am not sure, though. Um, yeah, they are. Also, oh, okay, they are. Uh, yeah. Also, they received DeAndre Ayton and rookie Tumani Kamara from the Phoenix Suns as a part of this deal. Uh, Phoenix gets Yusuf Nurkic from uh from the Trailblazers as well as as well as Grayson Allen, Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. And just wow is all I gotta say about that. Like I understand now why Milwaukee is looked at as the favorite in the uh in the East. I mean Losing, obviously they improved offensively. The big question I have here, though, is for a team that prides itself on being defense heavy, I mean, I understand, okay, you know, you, you know, Damian Lillard is on a whole other level than Drew Holiday. But yeah. I don't know if you give up a player with the defensive caliber that Holiday has. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but not just that, but he he also had quite a few games last season too where he just completely took over the game on nights where Giannis Antetokounmpo may have been ineffective. And Holiday just load, basically yeah. took things over. And the age of load, yeah. Yeah, huge move. So, uh, uh, yeah, let's 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 start with let's start with you, Alex, because you're a Trailblazers fan. Uh, what do you think about the move, and do you think that the Trailblazers got enough? I really do, because they because ha- they it's uh, it's better than nothing. I know it's cheesy cliche, but at the end of the day, we knew he was gone, right? So they got it done, and. Instead of the, I'm sorry, it wasn't going to be a good haul from the, from the Miami Heat, like Jovich or um, 
Jack Woods Jr., Tyler Hero doesn't, you know, he's like a volume shooter, smaller guard. The Blazers already have several of those guys. So it wasn't a fit. They got eaten through this. I know I've slammed him before. He's been checked out mentally here and there, you know. He, but the more I'm, war, I'm warming up to him a lot. DeAndre, Ayton, I mean, what, four years ago was the number one overall pick, seven-footer. Um, yeah. He just was like a lunch kill. Like, they wanted him to just, like, rebound and play defense in Phoenix. He, he wants to be the man and get fed the ball. With Booker and Chris Paul, then recently with Durant, they're, they're literally there really weren't enough shots, enough balls for him, enough basketballs for him to shoot. So it's like he was he was cast in a role that he wasn't happy with. You know what I mean? And Phoenix was kind of buried as far as the priority. Uh, in Portland, he could be the focus. He's still, what, 25 years old, 26 years old. So it's a fresh start for him. And, you know, you can't put a price tag on him. A, a really gifted younger big man, if he can if he can get fed a lot of shots and puts up like 20, 25 points a game. You know, then you have Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. Um, so it's like the, the rebuild, it's, it's, a, it's a good move for Portland. It's the best they could do, I thought. It was a lot better than my, the Miami move. But, I mean, Eaton and Scoot Henderson, that's a pretty cool combo now. Because Lillard just – he he really did. He, I know the Blazers were younger, and he was an amazing player, but he really did slow down the offense, literally. He took a ton of shots. He played no defense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to, as a younger player to, to grow in that kind of offense. It was like Damian Lillard versus Devlin. Now they have a young right. team, and now they add a young big man who now he can – now Aiton wasn't getting any shots, wasn't touching the ball enough in Phoenix. Now he goes to Portland, and now he can be the man there. And then they can hand the uh-huh. keys to the car over to Coot Henderson, the, the prodigy of the young point guard now. So, like, for – and then, uh, lastly, my last one, I don't mean to keep rambling on this, but it's – yeah, I thought it was a good trade. Lastly, um, Drew Holiday is going to still get moved by Portland because he just doesn't fit there. Yeah, they're rebuilding. For a couple of years, you right. won't be Portland in the playoffs. That's for sure. I'm, let's be honest. But at least now they have a bright future. They're really, really promising yeah. young core. Scoot and Aiton and Jaden Sharp's fantastic, I think. Um, we'll see. Um, Jaru Holiday, so that's, that's, that's the, the other big piece along with Aiton. So who knows what they might flip into Boston. As you were saying during the week, Steve, so Portland might get a couple more picks or another really good young player out of that. Boston, Philly, there's, yeah. there's several teams. The Heat, even <laughs> even though they're pissed, they're, the now they're trying to get they're trying to get Holiday now. So Blazers might get Go, Golden know, another Golden State, yeah, Golden State as well. Might get, absolutely. So Blazers, I mean, Definitely that's like half the deal. They're going to get another haul from Holiday. So it worked out pretty well. So it sucks that Dame was gone, but it was a done deal. So I, I like what they what they got in return for him. So, well, adding a young yeah. big man is a really, a really good move. Add a young seven footer, Eaton, former number one pick. I mean. It's it's a calculated mm-hmm. risk, but there's a lot of upside. And then the the, the Phenom Young point card has a seven footer to grow with. I mean, it's a pretty cool move. For them. Pretty good job by the Blazers, I thought. And the, for the Bucks, I mean, yeah, they are the favorite. They had Grayson Allen. Um, Nas Little is pretty good, younger um, forward from North Carolina. You just couldn't stay healthy as a Blazer, but he he'll be good off the bench with Allen. I don't know, but you you guys think they have enough defense though? I mean, they the Bucks add offense, but. Yeah, they lose an awesome defender in Holiday. Did, did you guys like the move for for either team or for both uh, let's teams? Start with, let's yeah. let's start let's start with you, Lou. What do you what do you think of the of the move of uh, of Milwaukee acquiring Damian Lillard while at the same time giving up Jeru Holiday? Hmm, that's a, that's a very interesting move there. I mean, you know, because Holiday, of course, you know, helped the uh, Bucks uh, win the championship. Uh, 
back in 2021. I don't know if uh, Lillard's going to have the same uh, impact with that. So it's kind of a winning seat. But, uh, you know, I mean, I get Lillard is a good player, but he's no holiday. So it's it's going it's to it's be interesting this season with the Bucks. I mean, they they had a great season last year. They, um, you know, they were first in the conference, and they all of a sudden just choked. Uh, I don't know if Lillard's going to be the right man, though, to bring him back to uh, maybe uh, championship caliber, though. Yeah, and you know, I I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people have shat on Grayson Allen because of <laughs> maker. Because, maker. because of his time, because of his time with Duke. But yeah, take a look at what he did with Milwaukee. The last two years, actually, if you count his time with Memphis, the last three years, he's been a pretty good contributor off of the bench. Hmm. So. Not only do they lose a contributor off of the bench, but they also lose a huge defensive guard in Drew Holiday. Yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, they sacrificed. I, I know. I know they say defense wins championships, but they sacrificed defense for offense. And I mean, yeah, they got better offensively, but I mean, the you know what's going to happen. If one of the if one of them goes down, if uh, Giannis goes down, or if Lillard goes down, you don't have. The, I mean, yeah, you have Chris Middleton, but you don't have that other option. No, to go with. Yes, you yeah, know, like like a Drew Holiday. Yeah, no, you don't. Lillard gets definitely more offensive explosion and the pick and roll. I mean, the two man game with Lillard and Giannis, if they stay healthy, is going to be incredible. Maybe the best duo they're saying. Yeah. Some of the talking heads on ESPN were saying, obviously Joker's up there with Murray and you got LeBron and AD, you know, the list. There's some awesome duos out there, Booker and KD. I mean, but when you go big and small, you get the point guard Lillard shooting 35 footers and then you got Giannis too. I mean, it's perfect for both of them. Neither one of them has ever played with a guy as skilled, as gifted as that, as the other guy. I know Holiday is amazing, more more for defense. So yeah, it's an interesting right. trade-off. They want a lot. More, they want more offense, and they lose their best defender. And now you're seeing the other East heavyweights are trying to maybe play for Holiday, help stop guys like Lord. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at Holiday's. You take a look I'd at Holiday's resume. Still, Celtics, Celtics are still the favorite, I think, to me. Correct. Right. There's a big. Deal. Yeah, they're the betting favorite as of right now uh, for. For Holiday in particular, they're the betting favorite. Uh, right. But, I, I, you know, if you, t- if you take a look at Holiday, though, uh, throughout since 2018, he's been a member of an all-defensive team every year except 2020, which, of course, wow. was shortened due to COVID. Uh, but otherwise – he had been a member of the of an all defensive team, whether it was first team or second team, since twenty eighteen. And wow. obviously, obviously, like we mentioned, uh, he brought an NBA. He helped bring an NBA title to the Milwaukee Bucks. And last year, you know, he averaged nineteen point three points per game while also shooting his best free throw average uh of a, of a se- uh, in a in a single season for him and he also set more rebounds 
uh, in a single season for himself. So, you know, he's he's great defensive. Like, let me put it this way. He's Marcus Smart, but with better shooting. Yeah. That's and I love basically Marcus what Smart. he is. I love Marcus Smart, but, yeah, Holiday's definitely a, a better all-around player. It's going to be big shoes to fill, but, I mean, this is also placated. It's going to make – I think Giannis is going to be even happier, and there's been rumblings that he might want to leave. So, they're really going all in with this two-man game. We'll see. Yeah. I'd still go Celtics. Right. Now, uh, there's several teams there, but, yeah, Celtics are just all around. But, yeah, that's going to be pretty electric, pretty explosive to see Dame and uh, – Again, they've never played with someone of that offensive caliber as a duo. They've never had a partner, a sidekick like like they have now. Each, both Giannis and Dan, could take both their games to a new level. I think. Now there is, uh, in terms of the Celtics, uh, according to Adam Himmelsbach, who covers the Boston Celtics for the Boston Globe, uh, he said the Celtics' pursuit of Giroux Holiday remains alive, I'm told, but there's still a significant gap. And in terms of that significant gap, it sounds like their current offer right now for Giroux Holiday is Malcolm Brogdon, multiple first-round picks, and either Robert Williams or or Al Horford. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like Portland wants Robert Williams, but Boston wants to send Al Horford. Yeah, that's that's quite a holdup. I love Big Al, but Father Time is undefeated. He's, I mean, he's getting up there. I mean, Time Lord's on the way up. Uh, progression and development. Um, yeah, I mean, Horford just doesn't hold any value for Portland because again, Portland's so young. They're just rebuilding for a couple of years, so they're not. They just no offense to Al, he just doesn't fit that. The Portland just it doesn't fit their roster. Doesn't make sense for them. When they get stuff for, for Holiday, has... they, they can get a good young player on the open market for from someone else for Holiday or two or a couple picks. Holiday's going to be in big demand. So I mean, yeah. Time Lord, I might do. Interesting though, because now the Blazers have Aiton, and then you're adding Time Lord. Now they they had no size when they had Damon CJ. Now they have then they're going to have two centers. Who knows? <laughs> but here's the question. Here's the question with Time Lord though, and this is actually pretty significant because he's entering a season where this is basically a make or break season for him. The question is, can he stay healthy? Will he ever stay healthy to be a significant NBA player? That's the big question. Can he, does he play just at center or can he play power forward? Just thinking about what, no, he plays, that, he plays primarily he plays primarily center as far as I'm aware. That's interesting, and that Portland will want that. I'd want him too, but you know what I mean because they just got DeAndre Ayton, and you're adding another center. Right. I, I mean, it's not say. Let me let me check actually. Let me check real quick. Um, yeah. I, I want to see how many games he may have played a power forward because it says here he's listed as a center and a power forward. But I don't know. Let me see if it if it shows how many games he played at power forward. I think it only shows how many games he played at center. Uh, no, it doesn't really say actually. Um, well, wait a minute. Let me see game logs. It's a different NBA now. Back in the day, nineties, eighties. 
90s, like, you have two, you could have two guys rugged down low that didn't shoot threes, like Ewan and Oakley, stuff like that. Now it's like, it's like, I don't know. Aiden and Timler would work back in the day, but now it's like you need big men that can shoot threes. So right. I don't know if Aiden and Time Lord could play together. I, I wish they could. I like I like both of them. I love Time Lord. But I don't know if it fits. I, I wish I, I wish there was a I wish there was a thing that showed a split here of how many games he played at each position, but it doesn't. So uh it it says here for what it's worth, it says here that he is listed as a power forward and a center. So take that for what you will. I guess he could be used at either position. I mean, technically, he is a small center, six foot nine. So the way they play now, it's like they, uh, I'm just thinking he might clog the lane, and then Scoot's not the best shooter for Portland. They might, they probably want another guy that can shoot. Um, but yeah, that'd be a cool combo. But I don't know if it would work long term, kind of having two big men kind of down low like that. Um, you know, that's that's why if you want a shooter, if you want a shooter, I would take I would take Al Horford, if anything. If you want a shooter. Yeah, it just they're, they're building they want younger guys to build around to to, to grow with the all the young players they have now. So Alex is like they're rebuilding. He's close to what? He's almost forty, right? Yeah. Uh he's I think he's thirty six or thirty seven. Let me check. I like him a lot. It's just a really Portland, just re- definitely young and rebuilding. Yeah, he's thirty-seven. I mean, right now, Boston is feasibly they're going to start Time Lord and KP, right? Porzingis, obviously. Yes, that's what it seems. K- that's what, that's what it looks like at least, and it looks like it'll be. Even though, even though, uh, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Porzingis play center last year? Yeah, he played a lot of center, yep. So it looks like they're going to play Porzingis at the power forward position this year, and they'll have, have Robert Williams at center. Well, you remember on the Knicks, uh, Porzingis wouldn't really play center, but he's come around to it finally. The guy's 7'3". It's like you're 7'3" get into the hoop and get some rebounds. And you can shoot some threes, too. No, he's gotten a little tougher now. I mean, AP is a really talented guy. He was crap. He's playing more center. Yeah. You see, I mean, I don't know. I don't know when it comes to – I honestly I honestly think that the only reason why Horford would be in a deal – would be to make the salary work. It would be to make the salary work because, you know, Brogdon alone won't be enough uh, for any, for any deal involving uh, Damian Lillard or not Damian Lillard. I'm sorry. uh, Drew Holiday. So I love, I would say they got, they have Scoot Sharp and, uh, Anthony Simons too. They got three three younger, smaller guards. So I don't know if Brogdon fits that either. I just I think they need like a another forward for Holiday and draft picks. Time Lord, I think would be nice. I've also heard, I've also heard as well though that they are very interested in Peyton Pritchard too. 
yeah, I like him a lot. He would be a good mentor, kind of a guy to maybe start early on with Scoot or just have him. Yeah, I like Peyton. He's also from uh, he's from uh, the Portland area. He's from Oregon. Went to, went to school there. So, I mean, there could be – it could be multiple players, not just uh, – would be perfect. You know, maybe it's not maybe it's not just Drew Holiday that, that could be going back. Yeah, because Peyton could start or come off the bench, and he's a little bit older. That would be, that'd be a nice – you know, maybe him and a – I don't know. If you're the Celtics, Steve, would you do – Richard and Time Lord and a pick for for Holiday, or is that too much? I would do no. I, you know what I would do? I would do if Boston, if Portland would accept not having Brogdon in the deal. If they would do yeah. Pritchard, Time Lord, and you know I'm a fan of Time Lord. Let me just say this right now. I'm a fan of Time Lord, but his yes. health really makes me nervous. Yeah. He's been injured, what, so, three years in a row? Three years in a row, he's been pretty decent time missed because of injury a couple of years in a row, right? Yes. Because of his yeah. knee in particular. Oof. So, I would do, if if Portland would allow it, uh, I don't know if it's that realistic, but I would do Time Lord, Pritchard, and multiple first-round picks as a deal. I don't know if that would be enough uh, salary-wise. Yeah. I think they may be forced to include uh, they may be forced to include Malcolm Brogdon as part of a deal. Yeah. Man, if you got that holiday, dude. Adding Holiday and KP with Tatum and Brown, yeah, that's wicked. That's that's really good. That's it. I mean, that's an upgrade from Marcus Smart. You lose your defender, you get Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> and KP, and you get a seven-three KP. Uh, not a bad trade-off. Not a bad offseason. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely agree. I would be, uh, be a crowd favorite. He's a favorite like everywhere. And not just that, but it would also mean that if they were to trade, the only thing that worries me is that they would have to rely on Cornette as being their third big instead of Robert Williams as their third big or Al Horford as their third big. That's what would worry me about, uh, about involving Williams and Horford in a potential trade. Because, I mean, Luke Cornett, you know, he he doesn't really I – mean, I mean, he brings something to the table, but, you know, he's not on the same level as, say, Robert Williams or, uh, or Al Horford when it comes to production. Right. And especially defensively. So I would be – I would be nervous as a Celtics fan. Uh, as far as Pritchard goes, yeah. I think we would be – as far as Pritchard and Brogdon go, I think we would be fine. You know, yeah. they still have uh, – there's always the possibility maybe they could uh, maybe they could bring in J.D. Davidson. They could, uh, they could uh, transition him from being a two-way player into being – into a, a guaranteed contract. Uh 
you know, obviously they have a whole bunch of guys that they just signed this off season. Uh, Mihai Mihai Liuk from uh, from Charlotte. Uh, obviously uh, O'Shea Brissett. They have you know they have a whole bunch of guys who not only can play the wing but can also play guard. So that's a potential option uh, in terms of depth. Uh, not to mention, you know, the guy they drafted, Jordan Walsh, who is being looked at as a potential contributor in his first season, which is rare for a rookie, especially in the second round. Yeah, I mean, they have the young guys that can fill up the bench. You can't have a, you can't have it all, right? I mean, if you're adding Holiday, you're adding an all, all-star, hell of a point guard. So it's like you, you're going to have to have Cordette and some of those younger guys. The Arkansas guy looks good. Right. They're good. I'd be fine. You know, they can't have an embarrassment of riches where, like, their bench is absolutely loaded, too. If you're adding Holiday, you might have the best starting lineup in the league because, I mean, you already have Tatum and Brown and also KP now. That's pretty. That's that's a pretty incredible idea. If they can land Holiday. We'll see, man. Miami's going to look for him. I, I've seen get him. I've heard I've in Philly maybe, too. I've I've seen as well. Uh, do not rule out the Knicks being a potential option. Even with right. Boston, the Knicks the Knicks with Drew Holiday. Hmm. I guess they play Brunson. I mean, Brunson's been like all world fantastic. Their leader now. They're, so they'd have Holiday and Brunson, or they trade. They huh? They would have the both I of what, them. I think. I, I, uh, from what I've heard, I've, I've heard do not rule out the Knicks as a potential option. Sure, they're offering R.J. Barrett, who would fill you know, the small The Knicks would offer R.J. Barrett. I wouldn't want his shots broken. He just can't shoot. I think he's kind of been a bust. I'm sure the Knicks are offering him. Younger player that Portland can add. You know, not a smaller guard. Portland doesn't need guards. R.J. Barrett's kind of a good wingman. I don't know. Boston, I think Boston should get him. If their deal is good enough, in my opinion, I think they probably have the most assets out of every team that's interested right now. Because I know, I know, Golden State will offer Chris Paul in return, but I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, let's be honest: is Chris Paul even? Does he even have the? Uh, the value that he once had. Nah, he's got he's more and more injured, and yeah, I mean he's at the end of the road. He just got the Golden State. No one really cares, and they're already talking That's about <laughs> He hasn't played yet, and they're already talking about trading him. So I think he's kind of at the end of the road. Well, yeah, you know, well, that's be a little bit premature, though. I mean, do it before you even you play the game. Uh, you gotta give him, you gotta give him a little bit of a, a chance. You know, that's that's just a little presumptuous, I think. Well, I mean, they're already talking I mean, about obviously. maybe moving. The Warriors are already talking like they might like they might move them. I don't know. I, well, I'll play a game for to make the decision. If he sucks, he sucks. But at least give him a chance to prove that he does. Or not. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, at the same time, Lou, if they see the opportunity to get a player like Drew Holiday, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest here. I'd rather have Drew Holiday than Chris Paul. Yeah, I, I think I would considering too. considering that Chris Paul has, in recent seasons has disappeared in the playoffs. Yeah, at certain he is times. getting up there, man. 
He is setting up there. He he is, yeah. But still, I mean, I mean it's, it's definitely... Yeah. But still, you know, he is still a starting caliber NBA point guard. Uh, right. However, you know, at the same time, I don't know if I'm Portland. I don't know if – I mean, yeah, he would be good for the lead, for the veteran leadership, but at the same time, you can get that without Horford. If, you, if, if right. they're all about veteran leadership, they can get that same thing with Horford. And I guarantee you Chris Paul is not going to want to take a back seat to Scoot Henderson. Probably not. Uh, awful fit, not no, Portland has no desire to add Chris Paul at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, dude, I, I'm a big Chris Paul fan. I wasn't, I wasn't talking down about him. I'm just, it's already been rumored that like the Warriors are already going to move him. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know how Chris is going to. What is he going to play defensively? And Steph Curry plays someone else. Like two really small guys. I, I don't know how that's going to fit in Golden State. And then where does where's Clay Thompson? He plays forward now. I don't know. I was no, he's guard. No, I know, but like, where are you going to start, Chris Paul and Curry? It's just dreadful. Like, so small, so small defensively. Well, you know what? Actually, uh, now that I think of it, they may have Clay Thompson start off as a forward because Draymond Green is out for three to six weeks with a uh, sprained left ankle. Yeah. So. Uh, that probably means that Chris Paul would Chris Paul would move into the starting lineup as would Kayvon Looney as well, uh, and you'd probably see Jonathan Kaminga with an increased role on the bench uh, with Draymond being out. The Kaminga would fit the Blazers perfectly. Wing like rebounder, yeah. young, young big upside. If if they if they got Holiday. The Warriors will then, I guess, have to move Paul. It's not. I like Chris Paul. It's just I don't know how he even, even fits on the Warriors. That was just a weird addition, I think. By them. Uh, yeah. Curry, from what from what it says here, from what it says here too, according to Shams uh, Sharania of the Athletic, it is expected that Holiday will have a new team within the coming days, within the next couple of days. So, uh, who knows? Time, Lord. You know, a trade. Who knows? A, tr- a trade may drop uh, while we're while we're talking here. Yeah, it could. <laughs> Lou and I still like your Nets. It's uh, going to be fun year overall. Now, going over to Major League Baseball, uh, we have two teams who have just clinched their spot in the playoffs. That being the Toronto Blue Jays, who will yep. make the playoffs for the third time in their last four years, and now uh, by virtue of their win tonight, uh, the Texas Rangers have officially clinched a spot in the playoffs for the first time since I think 2016. Yeah. Wow. So right now, the two locked or the locked up spots so far out of the AL East, you have Baltimore with the division, you have Tampa Bay and Toronto in the wild card. For the AL Central, you have the Minnesota Twins officially locked up. And for the AL West, 
Texas is locked up, and it looks like Houston will probably be the other team represented in the wild card for the American League. Now, out of these teams in the American League, Baltimore, Tampa, Toronto, Minnesota, Texas, and Houston, who do we think has the best opportunity to win the World Series out of, out of these teams? me to say it. I, Houston, uh, just because like been through the wars before. I know I love Brady, but I, the older I get, you know, you have to be objective as you're looking at these teams. Can't play favorites. Uh, looking just just looking at the rosters and the, the experience. I mean, I have to go with Houston. If I had to bet on one, I mean, probably the best shot. I think, in my opinion. What do you what do you think, Lou? Who do you, who do you think uh, of these teams has the best opportunity uh, to win a World Series this year? Baltimore. I mean, look at what yeah. kind of just past two years. Yeah. I mean, they went from perennial losers losers to now they've won the division. They've won a hundred and plus <laughs> games. You had no time to the emphasis on that. And you know they 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 you know stepped up their they're all their um, minor league uh, roster program. They came over here and they're hit home runs. They've done they've done amazing wonders for for the team itself. I mean, they haven't been this good, you know, since uh, the mid '90s and well, maybe since the uh, mid '80s when they uh, were a powerhouse in the American League. I mean, I think uh, Baltimore is on this something here, and it wouldn't surprise. But they'll have to get past the very dangerous uh, there's a potential NLCS matchup, possibly between the. Uh, Dodgers and Braves? Possibly. But, you know, I do yeah. agree with you, Lou. I, I think, if anything, it'll be – I think Baltimore has a great shot of representing the American League. And the reason being, you take, a look at, you take a look at the young depth on that team. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, obvi- obviously Houston has the experience. But – you have a young rookie, Gunnar Henderson, who's expected to be Rookie of the Year this year over uh, yep. over Tristan Casas. You have Anthony Santander. You have Adley Rutschman, who, in my opinion, is one, is uh, maybe the best young catcher in the league. Uh, yep. Ryan Mountcastle had a good year this year. Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins. Uh, I yep. mean, they have a ton of great players so far on that roster and not to mention you know they they just called up Heston Kierstad as well as a uh, as as a DH yep and they've met Holiday's son Jackson Holiday apparently far and away the best minor league hitter he's going to be in next year he's 18 years old yeah dude no no and guys trust me I love the Orioles the one thing the one reason I'm slightly giving the edge to Houston is because of pitching I I think Baltimore's going to be rich I'm That's not trying true. to, you know, totally I'm not wearing an Astros jersey around here yelling for the Astros, but I think the slight edge uh-huh. is just because of, of uh, not even so much Verlander. Baltimore just hasn't – their pitching is just not as not up to snuff for, uh, you know, the, right. when it's colder and more, you know, the stakes are higher. You guys know it. I mean, the pitching is so important. They're not going to be in good matches pitching-wise, but, yeah, offensively, dude, I mean, young talent, Baltimore's loaded. 
I'd love to see him go. No, I can agree. I can agree with that. I'd love to see him go. I can agree with I wasn't that. I would be all bitching. Yeah, I just that's the one thing that gives me pause. But overall, I love what you guys are saying. I've, I've always I'm a big fan of Baltimore what they're doing. Hopefully, they can get there. I don't I don't want to really see the Astros again, but they're just kind of getting getting right at the right moment. I mean, maybe maybe Texas knocks them off. That'd be fun too. But Baltimore, yeah. Although awesome. I don't know though, I don't know though. If you look at Baltimore's pitching, Kyle Bradish, uh, twelve or uh, yeah, Bradish is. Radish is twelve and seven. Gibson is ten and nine. Now, granted, he has a high ERA, but uh, you know, fifteen and nine record. Kramer with a thirteen and five record. Wow! You know, they got some pretty good pitching on Big Baltimore deal. as well. You guys are actually uh, convinced Houston. to go Baltimore. Actually, the more I think about it, thanks to you guys. <laughs> I mean, they're you know, as good Houston. as anyone. They have the best. They have the best young talent in the world, man. I, Baltimore could do it. If they get enough pitching, they could do it. Yeah. He, the thing is, Houston draws me pause a little bit because yeah. you look at Framber Valdez, he has a great, he has a good ERA, but his, I mean, his, his win-loss, I know they say don't look too much at win-loss records, but 12 and 11, good. I mean, it just, it just, it shows you that there's, there's days where, or the, the there were a lot of games this year where he just didn't have the run, uh, you know, he didn't have the uh, uh, any any help from the offense. Yeah, but I mean, he's proven to be hittable, you know. So it's, you're right; he's not going to be like intimidating. The young Orioles squad is not going to be losing sleep over facing Framber Valdez. They could light that guy up. I'm warming up to actually the Orioles. Right, to with you guys because I've been beating their drum all, you know, all year. I've been. Loving the Orioles, I might as well stick to them now. I'm changing my vote to Orioles. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, just to point yeah. out a couple of other pitchers on their on their uh, on their roster. Hunter Brown is 11 and 13 with a 5.12 ERA. It, it almost seems to uh, me like yeah. Houston has been winning in spite of their pitching. You're right, and Hunter Brown was a much big, big pedigree, big prospect. And he, yeah, I mean, five ERA. Come on. It's totally not trustworthy yeah. in a big playoff spot. Totally hittable in a, in a big spot coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, Houston and even Verlander's I mean, getting yeah, they, hit. They don't really have a pitching advantage. Right. Yeah, I mean, they do They do have Justin Verlander. They do have J.P. France and Christian Javier. Uh, you know, they do have – I mean, they have obviously the experience edge. And in my opinion, I think – at least three pitchers, the top the top three pitchers are probably are probably great. Uh, you know, the, just the the problem is is or actually no, top four pitchers for them are great. The problem is is that it just seems, looking at these stats, that it seems like they've won in spite of their pitching. Yeah, that a lot of it is because of their is because of their offense. Yeah, I'm going. Now, I'm fine oh, <laughs> I'm going Baltimore. Yeah, I digress. Now, over in the uh, over in the National League, we have one wild card spot that is still up for grabs. Uh, but currently, uh, those who have locked themselves in the Atlanta Braves uh, atop the NL East, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Miami Marlins 
have locked in a spot. And actually, it looks like Arizona is about to lock in that final that final wild card spot. I think. So good for them. Good to see them get in. Uh, also, the uh, Milwaukee Brewers and the LA Dodgers, of course. And in my opinion, you know, I agree with what Lou said earlier. I think it's going to come down to Atlanta or LA. When it comes to the National League, I don't really, I I mean, yeah, you know, Philly, they improved at the deadline, but I don't think they're, unless they go on some sort of run like they had last season, you know, I just don't see, I don't see them making that same run that they made last postseason. Always, always so dangerous though, just because remember, they've done that before. You know, they've caught fire and just scored eight or nine runs a night. So they're dead. They're so dangerous. But, yeah, they don't have the overall. They definitely don't have the, the pitching. Um, Dodgers are so uh, ransacked with really hobbled by injuries, though, on their staff. I mean, I think the Braves is a clear favorite there. But Braves-Baltimore True. would be awesome. Braves-Baltimore yeah. could be in the mix. Could be in the cards. St. Louis is definitely not in the cards. And also, uh, I mean, the Phillies The Phillies are getting Reese Hoskins potentially back. He is expected to face live pitching next week. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be back in time to start the, uh, the playoffs or who knows when in the playoffs he'll return. They would maybe have to make a deep playoff run in order for him to make a return. So, I mean, I don't know. It, in all honesty, to me, it looks it looks like it's. I, I think Atlanta's in the driver's seat, and probably LA is the second option. LA is just the trusted Whoa. heavyweight that it's that that have, that have, they've won so much you can never count them out. Yeah, Atlanta's got to be the clear favorite. Right. So I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting playoffs. Um, as far as the others go, uh, Alex Cora looks like he will be back as Boston's manager next year, regardless of who the new president of baseball ops is. Uh, Cora has been told that he will he will go through at least the final season of his deal, which is of course next year. So, um, there is that. Uh, Gabe Kapler, surprisingly, been fired by the San Francisco Giants. Yep. Despite uh, despite them sitting in uh, obviously sitting in fourth place, that's a big reason. But at seventy eight and eighty one uh, before they lost today, uh, at seventy eight and eighty one, or no, not today, yesterday. Uh, Gabe Kapler was officially relieved of his duties as uh, as manager. And, you know, this is a team that under Kapler posted a 295 and 248 record. I'm not exactly sure everything is on Kapler here. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, them trot out the lineups they 
San Francisco has been trotting out is just just some of these other playoff teams we've we've named. They always have kind of a revolving door. The J.D. Davis, Conforto, they come into some of the Mets cast-offs, Wilmer Flores, like decent players. But you know what I mean? They don't have those big thumpers. Um, they've never added that guy. They've wanted Soto. They've, they've tried for other people. But they're just their lineup has just been kind of subpar for the last four or five years, I thought. I don't know how much of that's on Kapler. You're right. He, he can't he can't hit 30 home runs. I mean, they just, they've had like a C, C-plus lineup for a couple of years now. They don't have enough offense. Yeah, I mean, let's go, let's go to you, Lou. What are your thoughts on uh, Gabe Kapler being released by the or uh, being fired by the uh, 49ers? It does come as a surprise. I mean, you know, really only one season at the helm, and you fire the 49ers didn't even do that bad. Wait, don't you mean the Giants? San Fran Giants, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not 49. I'm sorry, I got I got my I got my eyes on football for some reason. <laughs> yeah, the Giants. Well, the Giants did make a collapse, you know, towards the end of the season. I mean, they were right in contention in the in the NL West, and all of a sudden, just you know, the wheelbarrows came off. And I guess the manager thought, well, uh, sorry, but you know, we were looking for a team to you know try to contend for the playoffs and make something here, but uh, you know, we slide, we slid the later half of the season and. Uh, you're gone, buddy. So uh, that is kind of a bit of a shock. I mean, the Giants were right up there in the all of the season until like the last uh, couple of weeks. But I guess the management has no room for that. Uh, and lose patience. So they let him go. You could at least wait until Black Monday, you know. Yeah, right. It's, it's always the, there's always a fall guy. <laughs> They're gonna let the manager go. I, I don't think know. Tomorrow, Maybe. I think they're gonna lower the boom in two days anyway for the for the teams that didn't qualify or you know just plainly suck. You couldn't wait till then. You had to wait till the last the last two games of the season. Come on, let's finish it out. Yeah, that's not classy. You're right, Lou. I agree with you. Lou. I mean, it seemed it seemed really odd to me when I saw when I saw it come over. Yeah, uh, it's kind of odd. When I saw it come over the uh, the news ticker that uh, he had been that he had been uh, like just seemed it just seemed really weird to me because why would you wait why would you do it with only two or three games left in the season and not let him not let him finish it out yeah yeah bit of a low blow not the classiest move by San Fran. No, very un- very unclassy mood, if you ask me. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about uh, lack of class, uh, we move to maybe one of the biggest assholes in all of Major League Baseball. And uh, for anybody oh, yeah. who is unaware of this, I am talking about former Red Sox uh, legend Kurt Schilling, in oh, particular. Yeah. Uh, this past week on his podcast, he revealed that uh, fellow Red Sox legend Tim Wakefield is suffering from brain cancer, along with his yeah. wife, who is suffering from I think he I think he said it was pancreatic cancer. Uh, uh, yeah, so like you that. know, 
And from from what it sounds like, it sounds like this information was told to him by Doug Mirabelli, uh, Wakefield's former personal catcher, who Wakefield had had uh, disclosed the information to. And you know, I just find I just find it I find it distasteful, if anything, because. You know, Schilling was like, hmm, should I, should I even reveal this or should I, uh, he said, I don't know if they, I don't know if they want me to reveal this or not, but fuck it, I'm going to do it anyways. And then he revealed it. He, re- he revealed everything. And, uh, he has gone, he has gotten, uh, put under fire actually by, uh, Jason Baratek's wife, Catherine, who, Obviously, you know Jason Veritek was a uh, was a teammate of his, and uh-huh. she just absolutely ripped into Kurt Schilling uh, for for this. And the Red Sox even released a statement confirming that Schilling did reveal Tim Wakefield's diagnosis without Wakefield's permission, uh, saying in a statement that Tim. Saying in a statement that Tim and his wife's health is a deeply personal matter they intended to keep private as they navigate treatment and work to tackle this disease. Uh, They then said that the Wakefields are asking for privacy at this time. Uh, And basically, Catherine Veritek, who is very, very plugged in to the Red Sox organization, considering her husband does work as a, a member of the coaching staff. Um, she just railed into Schilling on social media uh, this week. And you know what? Another, th- another thing, too, is Schilling even said, I don't even know if he wants it shared, but as a Christian and a man of faith, I've seen prayer work, and so I'm going to talk about it. Fuck you. Exactly. Fuck you, Schilling. Veritex wife hit it you on know, the nail. This guy's been a total dick. Sorry, pardon my Latin. Total, total bastard. He said outrageous, egregious stuff. He's been a really, really dark uh, character. I'm sorry, man. He is really just. He's not. A, doesn't seem like a good individual. And I, I had a very nice human, so many words. So, yeah, and I don't know that. Is there anything, wor- anything more personal and more private and more, you know, frankly, gut-wrenching? If you're not going to share that, like, what, you're not sure if you should share it, but, you, oh, what the heck, let's just share it. And it's a former teammate to add further salt in the wounds. I mean, come on, Kurt, just deplorable. What are, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Well, I never like I never like showing anyone. This just proves how much of a than what he really is. So I don't know if sure about doing it anyway. You have no you have no class at all showing. Not that he ever did anyway. But yeah. this just proves that he's more of an even bigger dick than he really is. And you know this and, and and this is a this is a guy who basically said that he didn't make the Hall of Fame because of his uh because of his political beliefs, which yeah, that might be that might be the case. Yeah. But at the same time it, it may, you know, one of the one of the uh outlines 
that they use for Hall of Fame candidacy is character. Exactly. And not, not about I'll tell you right matter. now. doesn't matter about politics. Yeah. It's, it's about his kids. He's just a jerk, and we don't want to talk left or right. Screw that. Bottom line, he's a lot worse, a lot more damning things about his character and who he is as a person than, than that stuff. He just seems like a really not a good person. He's really said some just horrendous stuff over the years. Yeah, I mean, he talk, you know, he talks about – I've seen his Twitter account. He talks about, about shit like Nazis on a daily basis and everything. It's, he's, he's, one, he's, one of those, uh, he's one of those extreme right-wingers who's basically gone off the deep end, essentially, at this point. You know, I, uh, you know like, like I've said before, I don't really like to, type, uh, like to bring politics into this, into this uh, type of show, but, you know, in this case, it's necessary. Uh, when it comes to shilling. Yeah, it's been, I mean, he's just really gone over the deep, the, the deep end of whichever side we, any of us prefer. It's all our God-given rights as Americans and as humans. But uh, the way he's carried himself and the way he's spoken about things, is just, it's outlandish. And then just stuff like this. I mean, he's done a lot more. He just says really t- terrible stuff pretty pretty frequently about a lot of different human beings. So I don't think any, any anyone wants to be he just he just leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and he seems to get off on it because he keeps doing it worse and worse as the years go by. It seems like, but he's not changing. Yeah, right. it just it's. I mean, I mean, it's it's almost as if you know you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about players that might that might have CTE and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously he hasn't taken any hits to his head playing baseball, but I mean, it just so. seems like it just se- it just seems like a horrible side has come out of him ever since he left the game of baseball. Uh, but speaking of CTE, let's uh, move on to another former Boston player, uh, in particular uh, New England, with. Chandler Jones, who now has seemingly gone off the deep end completely uh, with, obviously, the allegations that uh, I mentioned, of course, last week. Now, he claimed that he was forced into a mental health, uh, into a mental health hospital and injected with, a, with some sort of foreign substance. Uh, yeah. And he claimed it all happened after after authorities told him that people were concerned about him because of his posts online. Uh, it says here that that he answered. He says, "I answered my front door, and a group of five to seven people were there to put me in an ambulance, where I was later injected, and I asked them not to. Uh, they tried to force me to take meds and injections." Um, and the place was not one for high-profile athletes. Uh, he claims that his first night he slept on the floor and was not offered a bed. Uh, and he, he also said, I'm confused on what I did wrong. I'm stuck here. I'm very sane. Uh, and he also claimed that he tried to contact the Raiders for help. 
but he had yet to have heard back from them. And he also said that uh, whoever put him in here had bad intentions. Uh, I mean, it just seems like his, uh, apart from the social media rant that he had as well, it, it just seems like he, like he's exhibiting more of those type of more of those type of things that you would consider from CTE from 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 like from CTE type of uh, type of people. Yeah, it's really important. Fortunately, you you or you, sorry, I mean Steve, you had mentioned. Um, even just leading up to this with that Mark Davis rumor where he was saying, oh, the owner of the Raiders did something to, to a kid. And, I mean, come on, which is just so so troubling to even think about. And then suddenly he's being taken away, and then he's not allowed to the facility. So there's something going on with him psychologically, unfortunately. If any of stuff yeah, is true, oh my, oh, my God, I hope those people burn in hell. You know that. But and now we kind of see where that's coming from. Maybe there wasn't any smoke in that fire. Maybe it's. Unfortunately, I think it's something mentally that's going on with him, which is very sad. But, I mean, these are all the symptoms. There's a lot of telltale tell signs, and the proof's kind of in the pudding. Now he's getting locked up. I mean, there's some something a little bit off with him. Unfortunately, it's, it's definitely the Antonio Brown. It's the Junior Seau. It's the uh, CTE. Very sad. I don't know if you guys saw the the, uh, the video posting that he did, too, where he was breaking down crying about Aaron Hernandez. I mean, I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Things are going south for him, unfortunately. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the basic rapid downfall of uh, former NFL star Chandler Jones? Ugh. What a mess. Yeah. I mean, you do something as stupid like that. I mean, you know, Jones... It was just pretty, it was a pretty stupid thing right there, and you know he, he got what was coming to him though. You know, he tried, you know, for you know domestic violence. I mean, what he did was totally stupid, and all this stuff he did on social on social media. You know, Chandler is a, Chandler is a, is a sick person. He needs some help. You know, and you know the and the Raiders yeah. judge released him. You know, for being a, for being this total stupidity. Right. I mean, it just his, his and and not yeah, not like like you said, the Raiders have now released him. Uh uh and the reason being is because he was arrested early Thursday morning uh yes. due to apparently he violated a protective order. Apparently yes. is uh what was uh what was talked about. Um, it doesn't say in particular what the protective order was, uh, but the Raiders released a statement saying that the team is hopeful that he receives the care that he needs. Uh, he, his family, and all involved are in our thoughts. And uh, the NFL also addressed the news saying that they were closely monitoring the matter and were in constant uh, communication with the Raiders. Uh, they then released him earlier uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, as he, uh, as a result of his arrest, uh, they officially released him. And also, not to mention his mugshot, he's fucking smiling. Um, you know, you don't really see somebody smiling in a mugshot. 
it just to me it just screams CTE with everything that well, he's been that everything that he's been exhibiting. Yeah, it really does. There's a lot know. of things that aren't up right now. I think it's yeah. literally psychological, and that's that. I mean, yeah, we've seen other people well, get in trouble. Well, I mean, trouble. not so bad about that. I mean, no one deserves that, you know. But still, you know, you don't you don't do you don't you know go out and do something stupid as stupid as that with your domestic violence. So that's wrong too. But I do feel bad for with with CTE because even because no one deserves that. I think unfortunately it's kind of linked. Um, no, Lou, I totally agree with you, bro. Yeah, exactly. uh, but I, I think he's kind of flipping mentally where he doesn't even maybe realize. I don't even know. Antonio Brown's dangerous right now wherever he is in the world. He's, he's a threat to anywhere he's he needs to. He doesn't realize that, you know, he does have this, that he doesn't know he has this or he's, he's doing these these, these acts uh, of violence. And he's not even aware of it. That's the sad part. That's the sad part. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I'm not I'm not crying because I, I would never, you know, I hate any, any violence for anyone. Um, the sad part is I don't even know if he knows what he's doing is wrong because he's not Probably up there. He's not all there. He's not all there um, mentally right now. It's just it's this terrible situation all around. Yeah, exactly. He may not even know. Like he may claim that he that he's fully aware of everything, but the, but is he really? You know, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really bode well. We'll put it that way for him. It do, it doesn't really bode well uh, when it comes to when it comes to his mental state. The fact that he's dealing with all this shit to begin with, um, yeah. he his mental state is very fractured right now at this point. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we are going to go into our Whisper's Wishes. Uh, this, of, of course, uh, for week four of the NFL season. Uh, right. We did have already one game in the wraps with the Detroit Lions winning over the Green Bay Packers 34-20. to And Detroit, uh, for the first time, I believe, in quite some time, 3-1 and one to start off the season. I mean, yeah. maybe perhaps. Maybe perhaps Dan Campbell uh, finally has something going out there in Detroit. It's possible. Yeah. Motor City's cooking again. But exactly, yeah. Uh, but let, let's get let's get to our first uh, our first matchup, which will be over in London at Wembley Stadium, and of course it's the fucking Jaguars. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and let me pull it up. Um, I believe it was the Jack. I believe it was the Jaguars that were the favorites. Um, let me look. Yeah, Jags uh, by three. It is Jags minus minus three. Yeah, yeah, Jags mm. by three. So. I will start out. I will start out. Start out here, and I think actually it will be the Falcons. There's clearly something different about this Atlanta Falcons team compared to previous years, and you know, Bijan Robinson obviously is a huge part of this uh, yeah. of this 
this huge role, you know, this this start to the season, a two and one start, which I don't think anybody was looking at under Desmond Ritter. Uh, no, I've got the Falcons. I've got the Falcons in this one. Start off. Uh, what are your? What, let, let's go over to you, Lou. What do you think? Falcons. How about you, Alex? I appreciate what the Falcons are doing. They're definitely on the on the up and up. They're they're making the right moves with Robinson and some young players. Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to win a close one. Quarterback play, man. I mean Ritter. I mean Lawrence has got the edge there. I think it's going to be like a low That's point, true. twenty to seventeen. I'm going to go Jaguars, but I like what the Falcons are doing. The Jaguars really in a close one, I think. Yeah, Early that's, start that's true. You know, the uh, starts at, it starts at 9:30 Eastern. You guys watching that? I usually try to try to sleep in one at least Sundays a little bit. You guys watching that? <laughs> Honestly, no. I'll probably still <laughs> I'll I probably still be yet, asleep. I can assume that I will. <laughs> Honestly, I'll yeah. probably be passed out uh, well towards, like, 2 o'clock, I think. Okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, with the Patriots uh, not playing until 420, it's like That's I don't tough. really have Sunday's to be my, up. So Sunday's a little sleep day for me. Sunday, Sunday, fun day, sleep day. Yeah, it's like I don't really have to be up in that case, so why am I going to, you know, why am I going to wake up for – uh, early football, but um, yeah. Our next game, we have the Washington Commanders, who are eight-point underdogs at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I, I mean Washington has has definitely made improvements, but I don't see them beating the Eagles. Uh, however. Do I think a cover is possible? Uh, yeah, you know what? No, I don't think a cover is possible. I think I have the Eagles in this one. What do you, What do you think, Lou? No question about it, Eagles. Alex, what about you? Yeah, Commanders have shown some improvement, but the Eagles' defense I think will swarm uh, the younger quarterback Hal. Um, Eagles, I think, probably by about ten. Washington's not ready yet. Yeah. I would say ten or at, or or maybe fourteen. I think. Um, like I don't think it's. I, I respected the, the commanders got some good, pretty good defense, and they got some good players. I'm not trying to talk down about them, but they're not, they're not ready for you know playoff type football. And I think eventually the Eagles right. defense will wear them down. Probably like ten or twelve, like a ten fourteen point one. Right. All right, uh, next we have the Miami Dolphins, who are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Buffalo Bills. And I, of course, already made my prediction here. I have the Miami Dolphins in this one. Uh, I just, I, you know, I think Buffalo has led the uh, AFC East for the last couple of years, and I think Miami, the way they're playing right now uh, and Buffalo, considering they're going to be down defensively, I think I think Miami takes this one. What are your thoughts, Lou? No, I think uh, the Bills are going to prevail in this. Ooh, okay. Uh, what about you, Alex? Do you do you think the same, or do you think Miami has it? Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a total awakening, uh, rude awakening, if you can say that. Because I mean, Miami's dangerous either way, but I think it's going to be a totally different. Um, 
defense they're facing. So I think it could be like 28-24 or something. They'll still score some points, but Buffalo is going to play some hard defense, especially, you know, in Orchard Park in Buffalo, man. The Bills Mafia is going to be pumped up the crowd. I think I'm going to take the Bills in a, in a close one. All right, well, next we have the Denver Broncos, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Chicago Bears. And keep in mind, Chicago has not won since October of 2022. So uh, with that being said, I have the Denver Broncos in this one. How about you, Lou? The losing streak continues for the for the uh, Bears. Yeah, and I think I think it may be time soon to have uh to have the paper bags be brought out in Chicago as well. Uh oh, doing what that. about what about you, Alex? What's the matchup again? Sorry. I'll start track with my uh Denver Denver and Chicago. Denver is a three and a half point favorite. Oh, the toilet bowl. The biggest game of the year. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, uh, basically. God. And I hate talking bad about either one. They're both proud, proud franchises, but just in, both in tough situations right now these days. I, I'm going to go uh, Gore. It looks like the Bears' offense is so enough they can't even move the ball at all. So I'll go Broncos. Yeah, matter of fact, uh, you know, Barstool Sports, uh, every week they release uh, rankings for uh, for NFL teams <laughs> and NFL quarterbacks. Fortnite. And they had the Bears. <laughs> They had they had the Bears listed as still still learning the rules of football. <laughs> that might take That's a while. Oh. Yeah, seriously, by 2033 they okay. can get a first down. Right now they had them listed right next to Taylor Swift, of course. But oh, um, oh God, gag. That's no love story yeah. either. Ooh, ooh, oh. But uh, next matchup, we have the Baltimore Ravens going into Cleveland as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. And I think I can kind of see why. Now, granted, both teams will be without their starting running backs, uh, who might I add, Nick Chubb. Yeah, remember that whole story about it just being a torn MCL? Well, it turns out he had surgery – he had surgery on not just his torn MCL, but also on his meniscus. And okay. he is expected to have he's expected to have another surgery to fix his ACL as well. So yeah, all that right. all that bullshit about it just being a torn MCL was exactly that. Bullshit. Yeah. With that being said, I'm still picking Cleveland in this one. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. Ravens. Ravens all the way. Ooh, okay. Even even without J.K. Dobbins. That's interesting. Um, and also, they might I, I might add, they may be without Odell Beckham Jr. too uh, with his injury. Uh, what are your thoughts, Alex? I'm going to go. I, I, man, that's, that's going to be a battle defensively. Browns look really good. Uh, defensively, I'm going to take the Browns in a really low-scoring game. Yeah, I, I do think it'll be low-scoring uh, unless Lamar Jackson all of a sudden goes off. Um, if we have a showdown between Jackson and uh, and Deshaun Watson, I don't 
think we will. But, uh, yeah, I expect it'll probably be a low-scoring game. Uh, how about Cincinnati with two-and-a-half-point favorites? They visit the Tennessee Titans. And I think with Cincinnati getting back on the right track last week, uh, I expect – now, I believe it was a short turnaround because I believe they were Sunday night football, right, or were they Monday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sunday night. So, they were, uh, I mean, Monday. technically, no, it's not it, – were they Monday? Yeah, they had that combo. They're doing those combo games where it starts like an hour after the game. It was Eagles, Bucks, and then uh, right. Bengals right, right after. No, that's right. Uh, you know, with that being said, even though it is, even though it's one less, uh, one one less day for them to practice, uh, I'm still taking the Bengals over the Titans. I mean, you know, the whole magic that Ryan Tannehill has so far, it's got to end at some point. Uh, I like I said, I still expect Tannehill to lose his job at some point this season. Um, oh, so yeah. I've got the Bengals in this one. Uh, what do you, what are your thoughts, uh, Lou? Wait, um, you know, Bengals against against the Titans. Titans. Ooh, okay. Tennessee, Tennessee by two and a half. What are your thoughts, Alice? Man, I just I can't. I want to pull for Tennessee. I like Brable. I like their their some of their players. Derek Henry's awesome, but Tannehill looks so bad at quarterback right now. So I'm going to go with the uh, – and I know Burroughs beat up, but I'm going to go with Bengals. All right, our next uh, our next matchup, the L.A. Rams enter Indianapolis with uh, a one-and-a-half-point underdog. And I don't really know what to feel about this matchup because I really could see it going either way, uh, especially if Anthony Richardson is active. Uh, Indianapolis, it doesn't really seem like they're really missing uh, Jonathan Taylor that much. But L.A., on the other hand, you know, even though they have – even though they're without Cooper Cup, they're still playing respectable football. You know, I think I'll go with the Colts in this one, but – Wait a minute. No, I'm gonna go with the Rams. I think I think Aaron Donald has a big has a big week this week. Uh, especially, I believe the Colts. Their set. I, I believe their offensive line is a little suspect, uh, if I remember correctly. So I'll go with the Rams in this matchup. Uh, what do you think, Lou? Rams at Colts. I'm going to Colts. All right. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I'm gonna go really good surprising young defense. I'm gonna I'm not gonna go with Colts. They're playing well this year so far. All righty, then we have the revenge game with uh Jameis Winston starting against his former Tampa Bay team with the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints are three point favorites in this one. Uh with that being said, I do think it'll be a close game, but I think I will go with the Bucks because Baker Mayfield, he's actually doing a lot better than I thought he would uh, with Tampa Bay and with that offense. And I think New Orleans, 
like I said, I like I said earlier, Jameis Winston will keep it close, but I think Tampa Bay has the edge in this one, despite being three point underdogs. So, what what are your thoughts on this one, Lou? No, I still think we're going to go with the Saints here. All right, what about you, Alex? Saints and uh, Bucks. Yeah, man, it's going to come down, like we were saying before, it's going to come down to Jameis. I think with Kamara back, I mean, the Bucks. I, I, I like what they're doing, but, you know, they might be a 500 team ultimately with Baker. They're 2-1, and one, maybe they go 2-2. Two and two. I'm going to go Saints. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I, it's going to be really close, but I think the Saints at home, they'll get it done. Right. And, you know, I, no, I, I actually do agree with that. I do think uh, in terms of – uh, I don't think it's going to be any sort of blowout game. I think it'll be a close game. Um, just not sure that the same – I'm just not sure that Jameis Winston will be able to pull it off. Uh, but I do think you know, it'll definitely be a close one. You know, the one thing that can make it un- non-close is if Winston throws four picks. Bucks can win by 21. So <laughs> Winston That's ending true. as early as possible. That is true. Uh, all right, our next one, we have the Minnesota Vikings, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Carolina Panthers. And just looking at the Panthers, uh, their secondary isn't looking too good heading into uh, tomorrow's matchup due to injuries. I think I got the Vikings in this one, despite the Vikings uh, basically pulling a Brandon Staley last week. Scaling uh, <laughs> yeah, themselves. <laughs> What what are your what are your thoughts on this one, Lou? I believe I said the Vikings. All righty. How about how about you, Alex? Uh Vikings and Panthers. Yeah, I'm going Valhalla. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. Not gonna be pretty, but they're gonna somehow get a W. I would be I, honestly, I, I would be surprised. Uh, you know, I think Carolina they still have a lot of a lot of building to do, and you know, just the fact that they're going to have a weakened secondary to begin with, it just isn't looking good for them for uh, for this upcoming uh, matchup. All right, uh, next up, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are three-point favorites at the Houston Texans. And despite being dog shit earlier uh, in the season, I actually like the Steelers in this matchup. Though I think Houston will definitely keep it close because Houston, Houston may be a dog shit team, but, they're, but they, they at least have a better quarterback than what they've had in recent years. Uh, I still think, though, that Pittsburgh takes it. What do you think in this one, Lou? Yeah, I think the Steelers will take it. Sure. All right, how about you, Alex? Yeah, I, I actually foolishly bet the, the – I thought the Raiders were going to win last Sunday night, but Steelers proved to me again. They reminded me that they just play tough and they just make winning plays. It's a winning culture. I – their defense is really, really strong. It's a tough team. I'm going to take uh, the Steelers. All righty. And speaking of the Raiders, uh, the Vegas Raiders are five and a half point underdogs at the LA Chargers. And I got to tell you, 
with all of the drama surrounding the Raiders right now, I think it is a big, big distraction. And with Garoppolo being out with a concussion, you know, they don't really have much to choose. It's not like Jared Stidham is their court or is their backup anymore because he isn't. Um, it's, you know, this is going to be a tough one for them to potentially win, and I wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Adams finds himself on the trade block soon. Uh, Patriots, maybe. I have – yeah, Patriots potentially. Uh, I have the Chargers in this one. What about you, Lou? Yeah, the Chargers. All right, how about you, Alex? Yeah, a lot of negative uh... – just a lot of uh, uncertainty and not things aren't looking pretty right now in, uh, for Vegas, for the Raiders. I'm definitely taking the Chargers. All right, and speaking of the Patriots, uh, that brings up our next matchup. The Patriots are seven-point underdogs uh, going into Jerry World uh, as they take on the Dallas Cowboys. And I know I picked against the Patriots last week, and, uh, I mean, let's be perfectly honest, if the Jets had a legitimate quarterback, then, yeah, the Jets would have probably won last week. Uh, with that being the case, I'm still picking against the Patriots. Uh, yeah, I know, such a Patriot fan I am. But uh, I'm still picking against the Patriots in this one. Uh, I think Dallas, I mean, their defense is just, way, way different compared to previous years, even though they don't have digs anymore for the season. Uh, however, though, Dallas, they, they are down one offensive lineman, and they could be down Zach Martin as well. So, I don't know. I still have Dallas winning this one. Uh, I do think there's the possibility that Ezekiel Elliott could have a big game in this uh, in this matchup, considering it is, it is his return to Dallas, but uh, I have the Cowboys in this one. So, what what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, Dallas Cowboys. and New England. Cowboys, you know I can't stand the Patriots. That's true. Uh, how about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean the Cowboys are coming in uh, hungry and really pissed off after. Last week's letdown. I mean, they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. I'm going, yeah, and, and they just don't have the weapons right now. I mean, Cowboys' defense could really swarm Mac. Not really Mac's fault, but, I mean, Cow- I think Cowboys are going to come in pissed off and bounce back big. I, I'd say, well, the, I think they'll win by 7 or 10. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I'm going Cowboys. I would not be surprised at all, honestly. If if might, the if the Cowboys just flat out destroy them, and the reason why is like you said, Mac is going to get swarmed. I think Mac will be. He doesn't have the weapons, and not to mention uh, Cole Strange is out this week. Although that might be a good thing actually, because maybe perhaps uh, he won't have a human turnstile as a uh, as a guard. Because uh, I believe uh, either Saidi Sow or Antonio Mafi will be taking uh, will be taking the spot at left guard. So I got to run. So I'm going to uh, three quick picks for the last for the last three games. I'm taking the 49ers over the Cardinals. I'm taking the Chiefs over the Jets, and I'm taking the Sleeve Bags. I mean the Seahawks 
over the Giants. On that note, I'll see you back. I'll tell you next week. Hey, fellas. All right, Lou. Thanks for, yeah, jo- Lou. Thanks for joining tonight. Hey, come on. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, speaking of speaking of which, uh, let's go to that 49ers matchup. Uh, yeah. Cardinals are 14-point underdogs against the Niners. And, I mean, could, could we see Joshua Dobbs turn into Lamar Jackson again like we saw him last week? Unbelievable last week with Dobbs. I mean, he just, yeah, he carved the Cowboys. I don't know how the, how the hell that happened. Who are you taking that matchup? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, if I'm being realistic, I think it's the Cowboys in the slaughter because the yeah. Cowboys are just miles better compared compared to the uh, compared to the Cardinals. Yeah, or not, not Cowboys. Uh, yeah, the Niners are Niners, yep. miles better. Are miles better than the Cardinals uh, in all facets of the game. Uh, so. I, in all honesty, I don't even think it'll be close. Uh, as far as the Chiefs and Jets go, you know, New York fans, in all honesty, they might as well not even show up for the game. You got Taylor Swift there. Uh, who knows? We could see a record-setting game from uh, from Travis Kelsey tomorrow night. I've yeah. got the Chiefs handily over the Jets. Yeah, I agree with you. Literally cannot get out of uh, neutral on offense. They're just absolutely, absolutely in a terrible place with with Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely rolling with you there. I agree. I mean, I think maybe the Jets would uh, – at some point they have to decide to switch over to Tim Boyle because uh, unless they're just deliberately throwing this season away, uh, I don't know why they would stick with uh, with Zach Wilson considering how horrific uh, how, how horrific his stats have been this year. Yeah, I agree with you, man. All right, and our Monday night matchup, uh, Seattle at the Giants. I don't know. Call me crazy, but i i have the I have the Seahawks in this one. I, you know, the Giants—they just aren't the same team that they were last year, despite adding in the off season. Yeah. Yeah, they're just they haven't put it all together yet. So I'm gonna go Seahawks there. Seahawks have a lot of talent. Yeah, it's just weird. You know, they they just haven't been the same team at all. I don't know. I don't know what the prob what the problem is in New York, but uh, I don't know if it's the distraction from Saquon Barkley with his contract or. Daniel Jones thinking that he's a that he's a badass quarterback now all of a sudden. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it, it, it's it's not a uh, it, it's not it, it's it's going to be but there's going to be potential basically for uh, uh, an ass whooping basically. 
Absolutely. But you know what? Uh, let me see. Yeah, you know what? I think we're going to cut uh, things a little bit short this week um, because, quite frankly, I got nothing. I got nothing left on my thing here, and um, also maybe a, maybe experiencing a little bit a little bit of burnout. To be perfectly honest, you know, anybody who's listening, uh, this is the third podcast that you're hearing from me this week. Uh, considering we did the cat, no, the fourth podcast, actually, I'm sorry, the fourth podcast, considering we did the cast analysis for Survivor this past Monday, uh, the Survivor recap show on Thursday, and the Big Brother podcast last night. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to cut tonight's, short, uh, tonight's show a little bit short. Uh, so I Sounds do want to send a reminder I do want to send a reminder that uh, Thursday night, the Survivor 45 recap show, Everybody, uh, anybody who's a Survivor fan, uh, you're going to want to tune in because, uh, who knows, there may be some spoiler content that will be dropped uh, from, from Jim on that show. Uh, Friday night, of course, is the Big Brother recap show hosted by myself and Melissa. Uh, Obviously, next week or next Saturday, we'll be back with Sports Whispers Weekly. And, you know, if you guys haven't done so yet and you want to get in on the sports talk, you can join us at Sports Whispers by going to facebook.com slash groups slash Sports Whispers or by searching for Sports Whispers on Facebook. Uh, with that being said, a also a reminder, if you haven't subscribed to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing on any of our major podcast networks like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and so on and so forth. Uh, but thank you to Alex. Thank you to Lou for joining thank me you. tonight. And we'll be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.